sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. content at the same time and kev we are excited because the nfl playoffs is going to get going this weekend i told you i usually consider division weekend the best weekend in football where we get four games including the ones and two seeds but i may have to change my tune after this weekend because while the chiefs and the packers are on their bye resting up we get six wild card games i'm really excited it's going to be wall-to-wall football, a triple header. Like, what are you doing? Have you gone out and gotten your provisions just yet? Extra toilet paper and the like for this weekend? <laughs> uh, listen, I'm just pumped. I think I have to say for, for the NFL, for all the other things maybe we ding them for, I mean, instantly, like before we even, we've even played these games, the expansion to seven, it's like, yep, that was yeah. the right move. Like, and I... I Two extra playoff games, yep, got that one right. So I, I give them t- tons of credit for that. This is incredible. I'm already in my mind pulling like a whole college football playoff thing. I'll expand eight. Expand to eight See? more games, more games. See, and the college playoffs should just expand to 16 because the more the merrier. Kev, I want to, before we get into these games, right, and we're going to break it down yes. every way, right? We're going to talk props. We're going to talk sides. We're going to talk totals. We're going to talk about some of the um, interesting kind of special bets and markets that our friends and partners at FanDuel have available for the playoffs. We are truly excited. I do want to ask you about one thing. I remember a few weeks ago when Baker made field and the Cleveland Browns when Baker had to quiet his home crowd and I told you Kev that is something we got to keep our eye on right and now as we hit the playoffs one of the things I find interesting the six home teams this weekend will have dramatically different levels of fan capacity or permission shall we say in the stands look everything from buffalo will have almost seven thousand of bills mafia in the building going through tables you know i heard stefan Diggs say that he has never played in front of bills mafia before so that would be pretty exciting no fans in the pacific northwest no fans in our nation's capital only only three thousand up in the dome in New Orleans. I know you had something to add about that. We're going to have 2,500 people in Pittsburgh, family and friends, at least, you know, maybe Brian Kelly and the Notre Dame Fighting Irish would be okay if the friends and family were able to come. And the most have is in Tennessee. And in Tennessee, we're going to have like almost 14,000 people. You know how I talk about the home dog. It seems like one of these home dogs is going to have, you know, some fans there as well to root on their team. Do you think, or, or what level of impact might this have this weekend? I feel like in part you did this specifically for me because of the number of football Fridays where I'm like, Dane, does home field matter? Like, why is this this and why is this that? We got to complicate things. Right, like, I mean, we have an exact idea as to how many are in the building. I've personally still been trying to factor in home field, even if you don't have fans in the building, travel, just the comfort of it all to me has mattered. But to kind of get that exact barometer of how many people will be in the building, it, it only increases it, the existence of home field advantage. 
No, absolutely. And then do me a favor, Kev. You mentioned that Saints head coach Sean Payton, you know, they got what, uh, 2,500 friends and family, it sounds like, right? You were saying that Sean Payton was kind of lobbying for a little bit more as we welcome in all of our radio affiliates. Big shout out. Thanks for getting up on the grid early with us, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. This is the early line. Kev, Sean Payton wanted to maybe enhance his home field advantage, have more people in the dome standing up and getting crunk, talking about who that. Right. So, yeah, we always talk about Dan Mullen and his desire to pack the swamp. Uh, Sean Payton was trying to see if he could fill out uh, the stadium down there in New Orleans. I will give him credit. He he understood that maybe a quarantine process and it all would be very important to keep it safe. But <laughs> me, he wanted to quarantine over 50,000 people <laughs> and then let them into the stadium the next day. Honestly, I'm okay with a spin zone that like Saints fans would be appreciative of that attempt because right. I bet you that there's a lot of Saints fans. That would gladly that would take him up on it. Quarantine that would do it in order to go to that. And honestly, like, and I'm not taking a shot. Like, I, I mean, but the idea that they would find a way to safely house the fifty some odd thousand, and I mean, a wild suggestion from Peyton, but one I'm honestly not all that mad at. I mean, can you imagine this? Imagine if they were just like doing vaccines. In the parking lot, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you can tailgate, just bang, then you get vaccinated, then you can go in. I actually think that would be a great idea. You know, you could you could process people a lot quicker, a lot quicker than we are currently in the United States of America. But what about you know, Kev? Will it matter? You know, I, I kind of think it will because not only the crowd itself, but remember, we've talked about, you know, quiet, uh, the quarterbacks being able to, you know, change calls, hear calls. There's a lot of other impacts we've seen. Mm -hmm. Something to keep an eye on all the way from zero to 15,000. We're off and running. We'll be talking about these games when we come back right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're everywhere. Radio, the internet, TV, satellite, and our mobile app. We make it easy. Like real easy. In fact, if you're not listening, it's you. It's always you. Slacker. We are the Sports Grid Radio Network. Welcome back, everybody, right here onto the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid, Dane and Kevin. And Kevin, we got six big time wild card games, so let's get it on and pop them. I guess we'll take them in chronological order, right? And so tomorrow we start off with the Indianapolis Colts going to Buffalo to potentially go through tables when they see the Buffalo Bills. Kev, the Buffalo Bills, as people know, won the AFC East. They have won the AFC East. It was the first time since 1995, 25 years since they won the division. Good. In an interesting wrinkle, oh, there you go. Another guy was born that year. In an interesting wrinkle, Kev, <laughs> you know, since the Bills have won the AFC East back in 1995, Kev, the Patriots have obviously won the division, right? The Jets have won the division since then. The Dolphins have won the division since then. 
Kev, do you know that there's another team that has won the AFC East more recently than the Buffalo Bills did in 1995? Who might that be? So the four teams that are in it, right, the other yeah. three have all won it. Obviously, it's yeah. not the Bills. Yeah. There's another team oh, that has won I, I, the AFC East more recently than the 95 Bills. I, I can't. I can't say that I know who. There you go. And ironically, it is their opponent this weekend. The Indianapolis Colts won the AFC East when they were a member of the AFC East still in the late 90s. That is not the only kind of, you know, connection there, as we were talking about before. Frank Reich, the coach of the Indianapolis Colts, certainly knows how to do his thing and come back in Orchard Park, engineering one of the greatest comebacks in playoff history uh, over the Houston Oilers. But that was in the past. Let's talk about the present the buffalo bills are six and a half point favorites 51 is the total in this game kev honestly i see this game has like two different narratives that are plausible to me one is that this buffalo bills offense that is rolling under potential top three top five mvp candidate josh allen they continue to stay hot they score in the upper 30s in the low 40s and they win this game Mm-hmm. I also can see a universe. We talk about this all the time. The Indianapolis Colts are a team that is not built sexily, right? But can maybe travel well, maybe can be good in a playoff scenario. Good in the defensive line. Good Was good on the offensive line. They are very banged up on the offensive line. Will run the ball. Can stop the run. And then when you add to it the potential of what we've talked about, that big mistake, that whammy, I can also see a path where it's one of these nip and tuck games where the Colts are hanging in it and then Allen makes a big mistake. Which kind of of these paths do you think is more likely? Yeah, you know, the Bills offense – and trying to be convicted or, or, or you know, sure of how this yeah. is going to go. Because, Dane, there isn't that layup, right? Because I know how naive it would be to say, why would they all of a sudden stop scoring? Because we know what happened with Baltimore last In year. playoffs, right? right? Yeah. But Baltimore basically was gone for two and a half weeks. I mean, they, none of them played week 17. They had a bye. Plus, they were hardly playing in fourth quarters, right? Like, Buffalo last week went out there for a half and was like, yeah, by the way, let's just start pumping up some numbers, guys. And, all right, we'll, we'll hit the bench. So they are as fresh and as hot and as dialed in as can be. Yeah. For me, I, I don't feel comfortable just predicting Buffalo not being able to score anymore. Because a Colts defense that has pieces that can make some plays here. I don't think it's the unit we once thought it was. This, like, okay. That's top right. five in the league, shut They're everybody down, down type of unit. Right? Mm-hmm. So I think Buffalo, even if maybe it comes back a little bit, right? I mean, I think they are going to still get somewhere near 30. I mean, the Bills have covered Eight games in a row. They yeah. have won. I mean, you know, the whole thing of like, oh, they would have won like 10 in a row if not for the Hale Murray, right? Like, they have just mm-hmm. been playing been such good football. They, they've won every single game since they've come off their bye, six straight. And, of course, right, covering it in all six of them. What's really interesting to me is the Colts, this is going to only be their second time all year as an underdog. Like, what in the Kansas City Chiefs do the Indianapolis Colts think they're doing only being an underdog 
once this entire season. But if you go yeah, through that is crazy. and this I like the Colts had so many games which was minus one, minus one, minus one and right. a half. Like, oh, that's a weird line. This is like the one time they were a dog was the Cleveland game where they were like a one-point dog. And at one point, they were probably a one-point favorite in that matchup. So the Colts come in, and you can't really point to a ton of times where they were, like this is the biggest that they will be an underdog all season right. long. I, I and the I, Titans I know blew them out. That's about it. That one 100%. Game. Like, I, I think that a lot of people, of course, are, are going to want to talk about the sides. But where I do feel confidence going into this game is the over. And I know it's a high number, but again, you know, this year on the road, the Colts are 6-2 and two to the over. So the offense has traveled or the defense hasn't traveled. Either way, they're playing to high-scoring games when on the road. And I'm just going to trust Buffalo to still be able to score. I know Diggs and Cole Beasley a little banged up. Yeah. I know the calendar turns and we now get to the postseason. But I still think that 51, 51 and a half as it currently sits on the FanDuel Sportsbook, I still think this game can play to the over. Because, Dane, sometimes I feel like you'll maybe be a, a bit more conservative in what a team can do. And you're like, yeah, listen, like they're going to play into the high 30s, low 40s. Like The fact that that's possible for the Bills, mm-hmm. this could be a route for Buffalo. And you can still get over that number i hear you they are the second highest scoring offense in the nfl this year at 31.3 points a game they also are number one in the league in terms of converting third downs being able to keep those drives going as we see some of the props that are out here for the colts and the bills are there any that kind of strike your fancy i gotta tell you one that i saw on the Colts side that it's not listed but i think you're right remember the path of this buffalo bills offense to still be really really humming right they are that's part of the reason josh allen didn't rest much in week 17 right they wanted to keep that momentum going and we talked about that one player that's not on the list for the Colts but if the game script goes the way you're talking about and you know the running back on the Colts that I've been into all season long Kevin it's Naheem Hines listen JTT Jonathan Taylor has been good lately he winds up leading the NFL rookies in terms of rushing yards with 1169 tied with Antonio Gibson for with 11 touchdowns but if you think these bills can score 30 40 points they're not going to have jtt on the field as much i think naheem hines will be on the field if they're in that kind of two minute drill if they are in shotgun a lot of it and kev let me see if i can interest you in this naheem hines scrimmage yards rushing and receiving total Mm -hmm. is 48 and a half I think he can go over that if there is a game script like you're talking about with this bill's offense getting in 30 40 points what do you say Yeah, no, I I like that a lot. Naheem Hines has been super valuable for this team. Uh, But I will say, you know, Jonathan Taylor's rushing prop right now is 77.5. And And when we get to, I mean, these these props are are always incredibly sharp. And the more high-profile the player, the sharper those props will be. And now we enter the postseason. So the world where Jonathan Taylor rushes for either 77 or 78 rushing yards feels wildly live. With that being said, the one thing that Taylor has been doing for the Colts is hitting home runs. And that's what you want when you're going to play over on a yardage prop is a guy because, because even if the game's going to get 64 on one of them, right? 
And that's the thing that makes Jonathan Taylor an attractive option when it comes to rushing yards. But other thing I'll throw out there is Stefan Diggs has gone over his reception prop in basically every single week this season, I think, except for maybe yeah. week one. That number seven and a half, it's plus 102 to the over. I would think as we get to the postseason, I mean, Josh Allen's looked his way all year long. But now in the most important game of Josh Allen's young career, I got to think he's looking at Stefan Diggs as much as possible. I certainly don't have what it takes to play an under on a Stefan Diggs number. No, listen, he led the league in receptions and in receiving yards. You mentioned he was a little bit banged up with the oblique. He will be just fine. Cole Beasley in the knee may be a little bit more of something to monitor, but I think ultimately he'll be out there as well. We turn our attention to the NFC West trilogy when we come back right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line. Dane and Kevin, big shout-out to all of our affiliates, everybody who's waking up bright and early, getting the winning edge right here on the grid. That is what we do. We also welcome everybody out there listening on Sirius XM Channel 204. Welcome. Hopefully you guys now get the winning edge as well. Kev, as we move on in Wild Card Weekend, the next one is, you know, a third matchup of the year. And that's what happens when you get mm-hmm. division rivals also playing in the playoffs. It doesn't happen that often. It'll happen once Saturday and once on Sunday as well. The Seahawks are three-point favorites. 42.5 is the total, Kev. This line has been moving throughout the week. I believe it started as high as 4.5, right? And I have interesting questions on the movement and on the total, and a lot of it is due to the injury report, shall we say. On the Rams side, we know the huge question about starting quarterback Jared Goff. Will he be able to go uh, with that thumb that he just had surgery on less than two weeks ago they do have some good news though on the Rams side right Cooper Cup activated looks like Cam Akers will be okay without an injury designation Michael Brockers looks like activated from COVID and also their stud tackle Andre Whitworth looks like he'll be okay coming back from a knee injury that looks like they are getting healthier on the other side though Kev especially a unit I'm intrigued by the Seattle Seahawks secondary is pretty banged up we know about Jamal Adams with with the shoulder, but also Shaq Griffin has a hammy that he's mm. dealing with. That back end could be compromised. Listen, the Seahawks defense has been getting better recently. Unfortunately, it's kind of combined with the Seahawks offense being less productive. A lot of ways to analyze this one. What do you think ultimately is going to go down? What are you watching for in this game? Well, I, I think the interesting thing is we still don't have 100% confirmation that Jared Goff will be the quarterback. Yeah. Now, they said that he's been able to grip and throw a football really without issue. So unless Sean McVay is like, ah, Jared Goff stinks, it's going to be Jared Goff, right? And now I understand that he's not going to make that announcement. Why not make the Seahawks practice a little bit more read option coverage if Wofford's sure. going to be in it? Quarterback, Prepare for it all. But everything points us. Everything points us to Jared Goff, and and there are definitely a lot of health questions coming into this game. 
The interesting thing is Seahawks Rams. Obviously, they they play the th- you know this is the third game and it's the division rival. But Seahawks Rams marks what I you know view as the collapse of Russell Wilson. I, I mean, <laughs> it was at this point that he just stopped putting up gaudy numbers. I, I mean, he scored more than twenty eight points once since we hit that game against the Rams. I mean, it was just, it just wasn't the same. It it just wasn't. And I've been wondering to myself, are we going to hit the postseason and it's going to go back to what it was? Because I, this is the thing about Seattle is, and I, it's so, I believe this is by choice. I refuse to believe that if they decide, you know what, we're going to cook, that he doesn't just go back to cooking. Because I do think Russell Wilson is that good. Because he's Russell Wilson, for goodness sakes. (laughs) uh, For real, like, and that's a real thing. And and on that and on that notion too, Dane. And I'll tell you this right now: I like Seattle. Let this line keep falling. It's minus three. Okay, great. I don't know. Let's get a Jared Goff conglomerate to push it to two and a half. The Seattle Seahawks, right? When we were talking about this team. All the way back when we were doing roster in September resets. or whatever, yeah. And I, was, and I was like, I was like, Dane, like the regression on these one score games. You're like, it's Russell Wilson, though. I'm like, can't argue that. The other thing that they had going for them in 2019, right, a year where they still won 11 games, they were f- four and four at home, which doesn't really mm. make much sense, right? Twelfth man, like you would Twelfth think, man. They would be good at home. Well, that's come back this year. They are seven and one straight up at home against the number. They're six. And their loss was the Giants. And And their loss was the Giants of of all things. Yeah. (laughs) No, right. The other, and I believe the other non-cover was the Minnesota Vikings game, right? So they and they still got the job done in that game, right? So. Yeah, so the one loss is the Giants, outrageous. And then, but the other non cover would be the Vikings. Like six and two against the number as a home favorite this year, obviously favored in all of those home games. That's enough. I have the quarterback trust advantage. I mean, it could, Russell right. Wilson we did this earlier in the week. Could, act, could, could like do a press conference, tap the mic, and say, by the way, I'm going to continue to play the kind of football that you hate. Kevin, and I'm like, ah, it's fine. You're playing golf. I still trust you 10 times more, pal. Don't you worry. About there you go. <laughs> Plus, this game is in Seattle. Plus, golf is a little bit compromised here. I, of, of all of these spreads, and I would never dare call anything easy, but it was the easiest decision for me to make amongst a bunch of hard decisions this week. Taking Seattle at minus three was the one that I felt most comfortable with. So let me ask you, Kev, because, you know, you have been talking about the statistical regression of Russell Wilson, right, throughout the mm-hmm. uh, portions of the season. And now you're kind of maybe going back to him a little bit because, you know, on he is who he is, and I want to trust a guy like that in the playoffs. But what about the fact that he's not going to see this Rams defense? And he's going to see this Rams defense for the third time. I mean, there were Rams looking into the camera being like, we wanted Russell Wilson, right? And this defense can do kind of whatever they want. I mean, Kev, they are number one in the NFL points per game allowed, 18 and a half. Number two in the NFL in sacks this season. Number one in the NFL in yards allowed this season. Number one in the NFL in passing yards allowed this season with Jalen Ramsey being able to shut people down if Russ wants to cook. (laughs) 
you know, I see some of the prop bets on the Seahawks side. Russell Wilson's prop bet is like 250-something. I'm intrigued by this total. It's 42-and-a-half. They played the first time this season. It was in the mid-50s. They went under it. They played later on in the season. It was like in the high 40s. They went under it. This time it's 42-and-a-half. This is the number one scoring defense in the NFL. What do you think about the total, Kev? Do they go under the lowest total of the weekend? I, I think it's I think it's really important that you brought up the previous totals from when they played because not only did they go over or under rather those previous totals but the points scored in those games is under this week's incredibly low total. Low they total, have not yeah. cracked forty. Was it like twenty to nine or something? 40. I think the last that game. It, that was that was the most recent, and then the the first meeting was twenty three sixteen. So they've not cracked. 40 yet right so the question becomes as we now see uh the third total be almost two touchdowns lower yeah is that an overreaction or is that a too far correction that was necessary this rams first meeting started a run of seven consecutive unders for the Seahawks, and the only reason it wasn't eight because there were 21 points scored in the final two minutes and change in that game against the Niners. That's the only reason it wasn't eight consecutive unders from when they first met the Rams. And the Rams, 12 of their 16 games have gone under. These have been super under teams, but the number is so So low. low. Would you, you know, Kev, you know, you said that minus three for Seattle was like not easy, but maybe one of the first things you gravitated to. Would you tease this Mm -hmm. game? Would you tease this game with such a low total? I could see moving it down and try to hop over it even easier. I can see, I know you like Seattle, but getting the Rams at over nine with a division matchup. Would you tease this in any direction? Yeah, I I think the idea of who the Seattle Seahawks are, no matter how good they play, it's typically one possession games. It feels right. right. Especially division games. Right. So you would think to yourself, oh, I've I've got the Rams, you know, and and maybe you play a seven-point teaser. You get it all the way up to to that full 10, right? You get to that full 10. But guess what? That's not mattering. I think it's 35 and a half, Yeah, I guess last go-around didn't even get over that. Like think about so and think about that. Last go around, Rams plus ten over thirty-five and a half. Both numbers lost on their own merit. Ran, like the Seahawks won by eleven, and the game only had twenty-nine points scored. Like that's what makes this game difficult in terms of the teaser option because the value of the teaser would point towards putting it on the Rams. But I mm-hmm. like the Seahawks, right? right? And teasing Seattle to. Plus nah, three you don't go through is, zero like that. Yeah, right. That's what I'm, it's just. It's just not the same value. It defeats kind of the purpose of the teaser. So I think if you are someone that backs the Rams and you wanted to tease, I think that's a good spot. And I will tell you this: if you are backing the Rams, you have to like the under. I think you have to, right? Because unless you think the Rams are going to with a hamper Jared Goff turn into a pass first offense, like. The Rams being within striking distance plays to the under. So Rams plus, you know, 9, 10, and under 48.5 or 49.5 would be the – I think that would be the teaser option, but I'm not sure I end up on that teaser. 
No, that makes sense because, again, with these divisional matchups, you know, there's so many different kinds of games we can see. And with this spread at three, like you tease one way, you, you still may be outside of those parameters. You know, I talk about the Rams defense, Kev. Aaron Donald continues to be an all-time great on the defensive line. He had 13 and a half sacks this season, Kev. That is second in the NFL. Now in his seven seasons in the NFL, Kev. Aaron Donald in his first seven years has accumulated 85 and a half sacks in his first seven years. That's pretty good, right, Kev? Mm-hmm. That's incredible. That is yeah. good enough for yes. third best all time in his first seven years. Aaron Donald's 85 and a half sacks are third best all time for someone in their first seven years. I'll give you a hint. His 85 and a half sacks is half a sack better than Derek Thomas. It is two sacks better than Von Miller, who are the only two men, Kev, in their first seven years to get more sacks than Aaron Donald. I'll give you the commercial break to think about it, and then we'll talk about the action going on in our nation's cap. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line. Dane and Kevin breaking down wild card weekend. And when we went to the break, I asked Kevin a trivia question because Aaron Donald and this Rams defense that is really top three, if not number one in so many categories, is really going to maybe cause fits for Russell Wilson, led by Aaron Donald, who had 13 and a half sacks this year. Uh, that was second in the league this year. And, you know, he's had a great run to start his career, Kev. In his first seven years, he's accumulated 85 and a half sacks in a player's first seven years. That's good for third all time. You guys were batting around some answers. Who do you think are the only other two men who have accumulated more sacks in their first seven years than Mr. Aaron Donald. I'll let you make some guesses. Go ahead. Yeah, so here's so here's the deal, right? I had a list of three, okay. ran it through Brian during the break. He named yep. two of the three names. So okay. I'm pleased with those answers because okay. even if they're wrong, I don't think anybody would be like, oh, those were bad guesses. So we'll go LT and Reggie White for one and two. Um, one of those two is correct. Uh, Reggie White is number one. Get Kev, in seven wow. seasons, Reggie White had 110 sacks in his first seven seasons. Aaron Donald at 85. Okay, another 25 for Reggie White. Number yeah. two is not Lawrence Taylor. Okay, you can make a guess. I have Go a guess. Who's your last one? Who's I have your last a guess. guess. Go ahead. J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt is incorrect. I am surprised that our good old producer, Venmo Brian, did not mention this man. If that's a hint for you, Brian, because the answer is Demarcus Ware and his 99 and a half sacks in his first wow. seven years. Absolutely. Kev, as we move on, somebody who may find themselves on this list in six more years is Chase Young of the Washington football team, right? He's been an absolute beast, including, by the way, he's got a fumble recovery, Kev, in three of his last four games. And I know this, one of the things Washington will need 
need to do if they want to win as a home dog in our nation's capital tomorrow night is get pressure on Tom Brady, right? We know that Brady yeah. doesn't like guys around his feet, even when he was amazing with the Patriots, right? It was that Giants team with a solid front four that could all bring pressure. That's what we want to do. We, you don't want Tom Brady to be there and able to pick out his matchups in a clean pocket. So talk to me about this one, Kev. The football team, the 7-9 and nine winners of the NFC East, are 7.5-point home dogs. 44.5 is the total here on Saturday night. Honestly, I love how much I hate this game. I it is <laughs> what a mess. What a mess I have on my hands here with Bucks Washington because the Bucks are a team that had that four game get right yep. off the bye that yep. I wasn't going to buy into and through two of the first through the first two games I'm like you smart son of a gun. They don't look anywhere <laughs> near as good as these results say. And then the next two games it's like Brady, AB, they're back. They're they better, look pretty they're good. That's yeah, pretty explosive, right? Pretty explosive. <laughs> and now they're playing a Washington team that honestly can't do to me anything on offense. Like Alec, we we went through the list of, right. of quarterback confidence rankings. Alex Smith to me is fourteen of fourteen, and you can go through any playoff experience you want with Alex Smith. It's just not the same guy. I mean, Tyler Heineke has been taking first-team reps at certain sure points has. throughout this week. Like, Alex sure Smith has. might not even be the guy you are backing in this game. So this really comes down to how many plays can this Washington defense make? How uncomfortable yeah. can they make Tom Brady? Because, to be fair, during a four-week stretch, right, where you're, I would say you are more inclined to buy it than I am, right? Falcons twice, Detroit Lions, Minnesota Vikings. I mean, the level of defense that they played in that four game, the highest of the high sure. of how the Bucks have looked, would acknowledge that we are talking night and day in terms of competency on the defensive side of the football. But what does it matter if Washington can only score seven points? Right? Exactly. Like, it's going to be really hard right. to make this a 7-3 or a 14-7 right. game. And I almost mm-hmm. feel... Like, that's what they need to do. Taking seven and a half, when you know that the two other times, the teams that went in at below 500 won both of those games, it feels like the quote-unquote safe way to play it. But I can't sit here, see a final score of 24-7, to and then be like, Oh, I can't believe Of course I can believe it. I have such low expectations for this Washington offense. My play that I would trust the most here would probably be a Washington team total under 17 and a half, which is, look, it's, it's an odd way to play it. Again, I know right. people want their straight sides and, and straight totals, but I just got to see it for how I see it. And I think Washington's team total under is the one thing I think I feel most comfortable with. I lined in I land in a similar zone, Kev, right? You know, you talk about this recent success of the Tampa Bay Bucks offense. Kev, it's really had an impact. I mean, they are all the way up now, Kev, to third in the NFL at 
30.8 points a game, just a couple of tenths of a point behind the Buffalo Bills offense at number two in the NFL that we've been talking about, right? Kev, their margin of victory, which I also think is an interesting stat, they are winning games this year 8.6 points a game. That is more wow. than the Buffalo Bills margin of victory at 7.9 this year. So they have been humming, and it has been making them strong. I think you're right, though. This Washington defense that is top five in the NFL, right? Is that a different challenge? So I ask you, Kev, and I come at it the same way you do. All right, the Bucks are averaging 30 points a game right now. Even if they see a better defense, and the Washington defense is fourth in the league right now, giving up only 21 points a game, let's say the Bucks wind up. Let's split the difference. If I tell you the Bucks scored 24 or 27 points in this game, I'm with you. I don't know how Washington can have a total higher than that. You talk about the experience of Alex Smith. Sure, fine. Antonio Gibson don't have it. Terry McLaurin don't have it. Logan Thomas and Sims, these guys don't have it. I just don't know if they can hold up to your end of the bargain. If the team total is around 17 and a half, I, I just think ultimately the Bucks will have too much offense and experience on that offense. I mean, A.B., yeah. Gronk, they've been here before so here's the thing though dane and this is yeah. why my, th there's a listen and you know this right there is a reason why i said preemptively before the buy i will not buy tampa bay you right did. that wasn't just to say i don't care like they have played six games this year against playoff teams do you know their record in those six games I know they beat Green Bay. That's one of them. I know they lost to the Saints twice, so that's one and two out of the six. I'll say one because you're going to make your point. I'd say it's the only the win against uh, Green Bay. Yeah. They're one and five against playoff teams. Like, And yeah. if you look at the losses, right, like the Bears home against the Rams, like they got doubled up by the Saints. The Chiefs got them. The one win they had is Green Bay. And I remember making that point about this team. I said, if it wasn't for that Green Bay game, they're the same exact team as the Chicago Bears. Nobody believes in them. But they have that Green Bay win, winning by four touchdowns against a Packers team that entered the game, I believe, unbeaten. And that obviously was a big deal when Tampa Bay got that job done because they were coming off of that loss to the Chicago Bears. But one in five straight up against playoff teams. Like, that's horrible. I mean, that's. So let me ask like, you, though. That's unforgivable. Let me ask you, though. That one in five that you describe, yes. Um, do you think anything has changed for them? Remember, there's that late buy, this stretch that you're not going to yeah. buy into, right? And and you were preemptive of that. I hear you. So it sounds like at this point you got to kind of stick with that train now, right? But all of those six games that you described happened before their Week 13 buy, before Antonio Brown seems to be rounding into form, before maybe, as I keep on calling it, a kumbaya bye week for Bruce Arians and Tom Brady trying to figure something out. They look like... Kev, you know, they have looked good. I understand maybe the level of competition and that stuff. They have looked good. Do you think, you know, it's about teams improving, getting into the playoffs. So you could tell me that they're 1-5 in five against these teams, but that might have been a different Tampa team. Do I fundamentally believe that maybe the team is rounding into form? And if they are at all, if they're a different team, if they're a better team, I don't really care about what happened earlier in the season. And here's what I'll also say, Kev, if Tampa does get this win, you know who they are likely to see next week? The one of those playoff teams that they did beat heads up in the regular season, the Green Bay Packers. Right.
So the interesting thing is, like week 14, right, was when the four-game run started. Yeah. Week 11 and 12, they played the Rams and the Chiefs. Like, it's not like we're that far removed from two of those six games that they played against playoff teams. And that's why, and I remember and I remember making this point as well. We're talking about the Baltimore Ravens. We'll talk about but it's different. they so the Ravens had that game against the Browns. And I said, thank goodness they at least have one game against the playoff team so we can see what it looks like, right? We don't have that for the Bucs. So we have to try right. and figure out was it schedule, was it timeliness, and how much you want to wait at all. And the thing is, those first two games didn't look great. And then they played a Detroit t- I mean, that Detroit game was a disaster. That Falcons game was close for a while until it wasn't. And again, give them credit for being able to pull away and close the door. And the fact that, you know, they scored 26, 31, 47, 44 is great. Can they really do that against this Washington defense as good as this Washington defense has played? Because these defenses... I mean, the when they've played a defense of a, of the Washington level, right? Brady's looked toast, like not oh not as good, toast. But they're playing. The only reason, Dane, that I don't enter this game with conviction on Washington mm-hmm. is I'm so low on what they bring to the table offense. Offense, and yeah. maybe that's just why an under outright is a play here of forty four and a half. And this number's been coming down. This was 46 and a half earlier in the week. People have been hitting the under here nonstop. And if I lose this under because Washington has a scoop and score and then Brady has a late yeah. time Mike Evans touchdown, then, then then so be it. But this feels like a game. We enter the fourth quarter. It's probably one possession either way, and it's been a rock fight for three quarters. Yeah, you listen, if this is a kind of tight one possession game, that's exactly what Washington wants, right? Keep it close and then in the fourth quarter, maybe make the big play. You mentioned Mike Evans. He will be a game time decision with that knee hyperextension. They say like bone bruise. Dr. Chow said actually he would be surprised. Not if Mike Evans was out there, but if Mike Evans was actually effective. Okay. We may see more decoy Mike Evans. You know, you keep on talking about how the the Tampa Bay Bucks have done well, but against maybe a lower level of competition. Honestly, I think for me the critical question what is the level of competition of this washington football team that was seven and nine albeit like five and oh under alex smith but tyler heineke is getting first team reps okay this team if it's not alex smith alex smith was five and oh here for a seven and nine team all right and he's not necessarily going to be the quarterback and if he is he is absolutely compromised as we saw so like what kind of schedule challenge is the washington football team if tyler heineke is the quarterback Kev? No, it's it's. I mean, it's a great question. If you look at this whole, oh, they turned the corner, Bengals, Cowboys, the Steelers win, of course, was good, but then the Steelers lost to the Bengals, and I don't know, the Niners, they had that game against Seattle that was competitive, so you give but, them that, but they still lost the game. The Panthers they Tyler lost to, and then the Eagles was close. No, you can't. I can't roll with Alex Smith either. <laughs> All right, we'll turn our attention to the Sunday games coming up in hour number two. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All 
Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line. As we wrap up our number one, we were looking at the games that will be taking place on Wildcard Weekend tomorrow. Want to give your attention here. Our friends and partners at FanDuel have a nice market going on that we think is really interesting for a number of ways. You can bet on who will eliminate each team in the playoffs. So, for example, we were just talking Tampa Bay, uh, Washington, right? And, like, you could bet who will eliminate the Bucks. Will it be Washington? Will it be the team that Tampa plays next? And we don't even know who that might be, right? Because if they win, they may see Green Bay next if they are the lowest remaining seed, you know? But if the Rams pull the upset in Seattle, if the Bears pull the upset we're going to talk about later in hour number two, then those matches are completely different. I think this is interesting. It takes some strategy involved. How far do you think they're going to go? And ultimately, Kev, how you think the entire bracket is going to play out? I think this is a cool market. Have you had any time to look? at it do you have any insights here yeah so the one thing i would say is it's very unlikely that you're gonna pick someone to lose this weekend right like just play the money line unless you see a, an odds discrepancy that's then fair unless nice. there's a difference but yeah odds are we're kind of looking down the road here a little bit when you have stuff like this you want to try and get a sense how much value are you truly getting so allow me to just compare this to another market for a second, right? Uh, one of the things they have under Team Futures Conference Division winners is AFC and NFC finalists. So the Chiefs mm. versus the Bills is plus 180 as the AFC finalist matchup. Uh, and right. that's interesting. They can't play each other any sooner than that. And that checks in at I'm plus 180. Well, I'm just saying. The the Bills, though, to be plus eliminated by the Chiefs is plus yep. 410. Dog, listen, if you're if you're like, I'm playing that plus 180, I know they're playing, right? Unless you are so torn on what's going to mm. happen, that's plus 410. By the way, the Bills to eliminate the Chiefs is 7-1. to one. I'm pretty sure you could position yourselves on both yeah. of those and net more than 180. And be very, very excited about how this thing plays out. So it's a tricky way to play it, but there's value in these markets. No, absolutely, especially if you think these teams are going to win this week and maybe lose next week. We turn our attention to, to other markets that we find interesting in the games on Sunday. We come back, hour number two. Come on. Admit it. You do your own play-by-play in your head when you play horse. Don't you? <laughs> you do. 